You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Ridgecrest Baptist Church in Springfield, Missouri. To connect with us or learn more, visit us online at ridgecrestbaptist.org. So good to be with you here this morning, Ridgecrest Baptist Church. I want to remind you again how much we love you and miss you. And one of the reasons I love you so much is because I know you believe that Jesus is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And here on Palm Sunday, we have the opportunity to celebrate the reality that the King has come. And so if you have your copy of Scripture with you today, if you'll open it up to Mark chapter 11, we're going to pick up in verse 9. Now here in a moment, I'm going to come back and and look at the first eight verses very briefly, but I want us to just pick up here in verse nine, familiar words, beautiful story, all about Palm Sunday. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father, David, Hosanna in the highest And he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. Now notice this. And when he looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the 12. But on the following day, when they came from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. And he said to it, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it and they came to Jerusalem and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold and those who bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold sold pigeons and he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. And he was teaching them and saying to them, is it not written? My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. And the chief priests and the scribes heard it and were seeking to destroy him for they feared him because all the crowd was astonished at his teaching. And when evening came, they went out of the city. Now notice this, as they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. And Jesus answered them, have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Now notice this, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Let's pray. Lord, take this word and help us to see the glory of your kingship and your rule over all of our lives. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your word, and may it touch our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. When we come to this passage of scripture, already in Mark's gospel, we've noticed that Jesus has immense power. His disciples had seen it. Many of the people that had healed him had seen it. But here at this moment, Jesus begins to reveal to all of Israel that he is the Messiah. Now that word Messiah means many things, but it also has a connotation of kingship. And he wanted the the world to know Uh, from this moment on that he was the king of kings and lord of lords we know that Jesus has already shown his power but it's not just that Jesus has uh, has power I want you to realize and never forget that Jesus is pure power 
He has power to do all things and to save us. And we see this in this passage today. And so when we're thinking about our King Jesus, as we're celebrating him today on Palm Sunday, what we need to realize is we have a very unique Savior who has the power to do all things. And I believe, church, we need to remember that today. We're going to talk about it today because we need to believe in the power of God. Now, this passage, of course, deals with the, uh, the, the wonderful moment, the triumphal entry of Jesus. But you notice there's a whole lot more going on in this passage. And so as we look at the passages that surround uh, the triumphal in, uh, entry, what we see here is a beautiful teaching about Jesus, many beautiful teachings about Jesus that help us focus on our need to, to celebrate our king. And I believe we have some wonderful wonderful uh, thoughts here and some teachings that can change us and transform us as we think about our walk with Jesus and how we can make sure that we are celebrating him as our king. Now, the first thing I want us to see here is in the first eight verses. So if you look there in your, in your copy of scripture, Mark chapter 11, verses one through eight, you'll notice that there's some interesting things going on here. Jesus asks a couple of his disciples to go and, and basically, it almost looks like, grab somebody's colt and take it away from them, okay? If you look there, we don't have time to read those passages, but look at that story. And that's kind of what we're gonna be talking about. So before we talk about Palm Sunday, we need to take a real good look at what worship is all about. And I think these eight verses help frame that worship because you'll notice Jesus makes a strange request. He commands his disciples to do something and they do it. They do it exactly as they're told, okay? They go and they get the colt and they bring it to Jesus. We understand the part that, that plays in the triumphal entry. But at that moment, can you imagine those disciples thinking, it almost looks like Jesus is asking us to go and take someone's donkey. That's what it looks like. But they did it anyway. So let me give you this, this thought. This comes from John M. Frame, a great Christian thinker. He says, the first key to meaningful worship is to do as God commands. Now that is very important here in this passage because God, through Christ, commands his disciples to do something that they don't completely understand, but they are obedient in doing it. If Jesus is your King of kings and Lord of lords, now what you need to realize is you are called to obedience. You see, I believe that God's commands don't restrict us at all. God's commands free us. We need to understand that it is, it is sin that enslaves us and keeps us from the kind of, uh, of relationship with God that we need, that we can then have a wonderful relationship with people around us and be at peace in this world. It all begins with obedience. And ultimately, we need the cross of Jesus Christ forgiving us of our sins. We need the blood of Jesus covering our sins so that we can be free. D.A. Carson's another great Christian thinker. As it relates to worship, he says, if you wish to deepen the worship of the people of God, above all, deepen their grasp of his ineffable majesty in his person and in all his works. That word ineffable means this, unexplainable. There's no words to describe the majesty of Jesus. So today, as we begin to think about Jesus as our king, I want you to realize and, and, and come to grips with the fact that Jesus is unlike anybody else in all the world. We can't even, if I had 
more than, than an hour to talk with you, I couldn't unpack all the majesty of our King Jesus. But here in this passage, these, these disciples, they don't yet know the fullness. They don't have the scriptures like we have the New Testament guiding us. At this point, they, they really do have a vision of Jesus, but it's kind of incomplete. How easy would it have been for these disciples when Jesus said, hey, go untie this colt and bring it to me, for them to say, why? Now, I know that many times in life when things happen to us, even this quarantine that's going on right now, people are asking why. Many times when it comes to the call of God in your life, people uh, like myself at times, I've asked God, why would you want me to do that? But let me say this to you. Don't let the whys keep you from spirit-filled worship. See, many times those questions in our hearts are keeping us from obedience. And here we have a really simple story that, that precedes the triumphal entry, but this simple story ties in with Old Testament scriptures, but it also shows us the need for the true worshipers of Jesus, those who really believe that Jesus is their king, to be obedient to Jesus. That's something for us to think about here today. I know a lot of Christians would say without a doubt that they believe that Jesus is their king. But my question for you is, is how does that translate into your life, into your actions? I think many times we find ourselves focused more on why than focused on obedience. And here we have a challenge to be obedient. And as Jesus gets on this colt and he rides into town, I want you to see this. There are the cries of Hosanna. That, that word Hosanna is a mashup of two Hebrew words, uh, the word amen and the word hallelujah. And, and I want you to see that that's a word of worship. Because the disciples were faithful, these two disciples, was, as they brought the cult to Jesus, Jesus rides into town. There is a moment here of beautiful worship uh, explained to us here in the scriptures. When we are faithful, then we can experience powerful, life-changing worship. And that's what I think Palm Sunday is all about, brothers and sisters. We are called to worship Jesus and to have joy that our King has come. I want to ask you right now, can you sing Hosanna? Can you say that out loud, even in your living room, and praise God for sending Jesus, uh, his Son, your Savior, your king, my king, our king. What a beautiful thought that is. As we see this passage, we look and we realize that, that as Jesus looks around, uh, um, uh, he, he sees in that moment people waving those branches and, and all of that was symbolic of a king of Israel. But we know that, that as he goes into Jerusalem, as he goes into the temple, what we begin to realize is, is that things aren't well with the worship life of Israel. The sad thing is, if you look down there at verse 11, when Jesus goes in and looks around, there's trouble. He doesn't do anything in verse 11. We see him coming back into the temple the next day, but I'll tell you, I know his heart was broken. And see, just as the two disciples were faithful in, in obedience, Jesus goes into a temple where obedience is long since past, where people are going through the motions of worship, but true worship has no longer, no longer has a place in that sacred place. That is something that we all need to think about. We need to ask ourselves today on Palm Sunday, 
We need to ask if, if our hearts are right. Are we being obedient to Jesus or are we just going through the motions? It is so easy in this world to allow corruption into our worship, to creep into our worship, to cause us to have our hearts not quite right. Even when we gather in a room like this, many times our hearts and minds are not focused on Jesus as we ought to be. And I want to ask you right now, what is it going to take for us to have our worship grow and mature come to fullness and fruition. That's what God is wanting for us. I think Palm Sunday is the day for the church to grow in its understanding of worship. This is a heart check moment for the church as we prepare for Easter, as we prepare for the, for the weekend where we think of Christ on the cross on Friday and then him rising to new life on Sunday. We need a heart check today. Brothers and sisters, we need to ask, are we willing to, to do what God calls us to do, even when it doesn't make sense? Even when, like in chapter 11 here, when Jesus asked these disciples to do something hard, are we willing to do something hard? How's your worship life? Now, the second question that we want to ask is, will you let Jesus clean house? I think it's interesting that in this passage that is very positive, in this passage that, that celebrates Jesus as the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, I mean the very next thing he does is he goes into the temple and he begins to clean house. He's overturning tables. Meek and mild Jesus, not so much here in this passage. And the reason why we see there is very uh, uh, clearly taught in the text, verse 17, because the temple was no longer a, a house of prayer for the nations, but it had become a den of robbers. And that broke God's heart. That broke Jesus's heart. And so Jesus, on his way to cleanse the temple, you'll see there that little paragraph beginning in verse 12 and going through verse 14 where he curses the fig tree. Now, if you love trees, maybe this is a hard passage for you, but I want you to understand that, that the cursing of the fig tree, it's not that the, the tree did anything, but there needed to be a symbol. There needed to be a picture for Jesus and Jesus' disciples to see of the kind of corruption that was going on in the temple. The fig tree and the temple are closely related, and it shows that Jesus, as the King of Kings, comes into Jerusalem, and he comes into a temple that is soiled by sin, that is struggling spiritually and here the cursing of the fig tree Jesus goes up to it he's hungry he doesn't have uh, uh, any breakfast in his stomach and he's going to maybe get a little bit of fruit and the tree doesn't have any fruit on it and he curses it but it wasn't the season for figs it wasn't about figs it wasn't about breakfast it was about worship again it was about the worship life of God's people we need to realize that this was, a, this was a way for Jesus to get the attention of his disciples. He wanted them to realize how serious the, 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 the sins of God's people were. Now hear this, as Jesus goes into the, into the temple, as he begins that cleansing of the temple, what we see here is, is that Jesus isn't being mean. He's doing a favor for God's people, for Israel. He is cleaning house. Let me say this to you, church. If you don't let Jesus clean house from time to time, the house will collapse. It's that simple. We need Jesus to shake us up every once in a while. We need this Jesus who, who comes in and stirs things up because we so easily settle into sin. 
And here we see that Jesus can come and clean house. The, the, the problem was deep. If you look at verse 20, um, the Bible tells us that the tree withered all the way down to the roots. And that's a reminder that, that worship in Jerusalem, it was withered all the way down to the roots. It was a heart issue. Let me say this, we, we think about worship and worship is about music and it's about preaching and teaching and, all, and fellowship and all the things we do. But I want you to come to grips with the fact that your worship life is so important. It's not a, a, an add-on, a sidecar to who you are and what you do. I believe your relationship with God, your worship with God is not a sideshow, it is the main show. And when your worship is lacking in fervor and in energy and in power, friends, that means you need your house cleaned. You need your heart cleaned. You need to ask Jesus to come into your heart. You need to give him access to your heart. You need to let him turn over a few tables in your heart. I want you to see that in this passage, it's not so much the place that's the problem, the place being the temple. The problem happens to be the people in the place. And that's the way it is today in church. It's not the building's fault, but when our hearts aren't right, then our church can't be where it needs to be. Jesus didn't just tear stuff up, by the way. It's important to notice in verse 17 that he came and he taught them. He taught them the word of God. And we need to realize that as people of faith, we have to trust in the word of God. We need to realize that the only way our hearts can truly be cleansed is when we give the word of God our full attention. It goes back to our first point. Will we be obedient? Will we worship God and be obedient? Because that's the only way we can truly appreciate King Jesus and experience the fullness of grace that he has to offer. As we go from the triumphal entry to the fig tree, to the cleansing of the temple. Um, Then we come to a little dialogue here at the end of the text I read to you, our text for today, a little dialogue between Jesus and his disciples. Again, remember, these men had seen Jesus perform miracles before. This was not the first time they had seen supernatural power in Jesus. But when you see God move... Your mind and your heart don't have all the answers. And you realize that the questions that they're asking, they're saying, Rabbi, look, the the fig tree that you cursed, it it has withered. They realize that something supernatural has happened and, and they don't really know what to do about that. Jesus takes this moment to remind them of the power of prayer. Not just Jesus's prayer, but I believe the power of prayer that we all as believers have when we trust in Jesus. I think that these verses, Mark 11, 22 through 25, I think they go along very well with 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. Listen to this. And this is the confidence we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. You see, I believe that it was a moment like this that we have in Mark 11 and many others besides where the disciples learned to, to, to trust in Jesus and to pray believing. And if you look here at the passage, that's what Jesus says. Have faith in God. Look at verse 22. Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. 
if we are obedient in Christ, if we are obedient to the word, if we allow the word and the word of Jesus to cleanse our hearts, then I believe that puts us in a position where we can pray with power. The church today needs to remember that though we are limited in many ways, we cannot go out and do ministry like we normally do. We are not limited in prayer. We have an unlimited opportunity here to learn how to be prayer warriors of God who are allowing God to work through us, to move the mountains of sin, to move us into a place of holiness and health in the church. The old temple of Jerusalem had grown corrupt because people had gone away from the word of God. How true is that for us today? We know that many, many people in our world have gone away from the word of God. They have chosen not to follow God. But if we as believers will take God's word seriously, if Jesus will be our king and we will trust in him, then there is nothing that's out of bounds for us because God can work through us and even move mountains. At some point, church, we have to have faith in God and we must believe that he is able to do all things through us. My grandmother was a person of faith and I uh, lost her many years ago, but in her last days, it wasn't too long before she passed away, I can remember having a conversation with her and we were talking about this very same text. And she said something to me like this. She said, do you believe that Jesus meant it when he said, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and, no, and not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. I replied to her, I said to my mama, that's what we called her mama, I said, mama, I believe this. And then she looked me right in the eye and my, my grandmother just had a way of, her eyes seemed to just dart right into my soul. She looked at me and said, then why is the mountain still there for you? Now, I, uh, I was already a pastor and, and, and I, I've always, for most of my life anyway, considered myself a man of faith. But in that moment, I realized that, that many times I've come to the Lord not believing that the mountain could be moved. Now listen, if you believe today on Palm Sunday that Jesus is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, then you need to believe that whatever mountain is in front of you, the Lord can remove it and he will move it. We need God to move in a mighty way. Friends, we don't need a church that's just doing a couple of good deeds in the community. We need a church filled with the Holy Spirit, obedient to the word of God and moving mountains. There is so much lostness. There are so many challenges to the church today. We need the power of God at work. And we have a king. His power is not limited. His, his arms have reached well beyond what we can imagine, think, or dream. He is able to do all things. And so as we conclude today, we ask the question, if we believe the king has come, why can't we experience more of his power? As we come into Easter weekend, we see in the resurrection the greatest power ever unleashed on the world, a power great enough to defeat death. 
And if the last enemy to be defeated is death has been defeated by Jesus on the cross and through his resurrection, then whatever enemies we are facing today, whatever challenges we're facing today in this culture at this time, they can be overcome by the power of God. We have to believe that the king has come and we have to believe that he has come with power. Those palm branches waving on Palm Sunday That was one moment in Jesus' life where it looked like Israel was going to acknowledge that Jesus was king, but we know that they didn't. It was just another week and he was crucified, dead and buried. But that moment really does project forward to today and beyond that Jesus is the king. He is the Lord. He is your king. He is your Lord. And so what does it look like for us today What does it look like for you and I to truly live out Palm Sunday? Well, as we've seen in Mark chapter 11, you can't make the most of worship apart from obedience. So here's a question. Right now, I'm gonna ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you what sins are keeping you from true, what I call white hot worship. Is there a sin keeping you from that powerful worship that your heart needs? Not just every Sunday, but every day. Secondly, may the Spirit reveal to you if you need the Spirit to clean house in your heart. Let him have full reign in your heart and cleanse whatever needs to be cleansed. And finally, then and only then, what mountain needs to be moved in your life? There are mountains. They will move. But you have to trust that King Jesus, our Lord and Savior, can do all things. Friends, the King has come. But what does that mean today for you? What's going to change? How is your life different? Oh, Jesus is love and power. But there may be some who don't know Jesus. Some of you who are hearing me right now, you don't have him as your Lord and Savior. You're King of Kings. Receive him today. Believe that the cross is the only solution to your sin and that Jesus, when he rose from the grave, gave you the possibility for eternal life. Oh, friend, the King has come and he has come for you. Thanks for listening. For additional resources, to learn more about us or get connected, visit RidgecrestBaptist.org.